Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. 24 question party people. 24 Hello and welcome to 24 Question Party People. I am your host, Yasi Salik. This is a show where I invite an interesting person or people on for a little talk. I ask the same 23 questions every time, more or less, plus one wild card. The guest is allowed to skip one question. Sometimes the questions change a little. Surrender your grip on control, babe. I hope everyone had a beautiful long weekend. I hope it was filled with food, love, gratitude. That's right, bitch. It was about gratitude. Um, if you're sitting there listening, thinking, oh, for sure, this Erewhon ass bitch makes gratitude lists on the daily, you would be absolutely the fuck right, babe. Every single morning, put on my goth black Uggs and bundle up in two hoodies for the frigid Los Angeles air. I grab my spiral notebook and my paper made ink joy. It's the best pen I've done research. A cup of hot coffee stuffed to the gills with collagen powder because, you know, we are investing in our skin. Take all that outside, sit on, sit on a little outside couch, do my journaling, my morning pages, and tack on to that my little gratitude practice while also getting the sun in my eyeballs to set that circadian rhythm, babe. It's called multitasking. For the gratitude list, I do do it in the traditional way, you know, where you list out a veritable um, I love lamp style list of items that you're grateful for. Like for me, it's really all over the place. Family, friends, the TV show Bosch, squirrels, coffee's on there because I'm drinking it and looking at it. Then I'm like, Mexican food is delicious. Let's throw that on there all sorts of things really make it onto the list. Nothing is too big or small. Um, it's recently come to my attention, however, thanks to my fellow podcaster, Dr. Andrew Huberman, um, that actually gratitude practices are more effective when you receive the gratitude rather than give it, which is very cool and awesome um, because it's not exactly like you can or should honestly just go up to people and ask them to declare their gratitude for you. Um, but maybe it's a good reminder that when you do feel grateful for someone, it's a beautiful service 
to just tell them. So I do think sometimes we uh, privately think nice things about people like all the time, but for some reason it's embarrassing to say it out loud when like all it would really do is make the other person quite happy. And if it doesn't make them happy, if they're like judgmental or critical, then that person can get fucked and you don't want to know them anyways. Um, In that spirit, I wanted to tell you guys, yes, you guys, and yes, it is Ernest Goes to Camp Time. I am very grateful to anyone who listens to this show or to the other show I do, Bandsplain, or even the people that somehow listen to both shows, people who listen to both shows every week. God bless you. I really, truly, madly, deeply love my job. I love it so much. Even when I'm 98 pages, balls deep in a never ending Google doc and my eyes are bleeding and there's like four more documentaries and six more books to read about XYZ band. I still love it. And I wouldn't be able to have this job if you guys didn't listen. So thank you for spending any part of your wild and precious life um, listening to me and my vocal fry. Uh, I really am grateful. Another thing that I'm grateful for, just back to the old-fashioned way that apparently doesn't work, is that we as people have such a capacity to change and grow and overcome things. You're going to see where I'm getting at. You're like, what is she fucking talking about? All of a sudden, you changed topic. I didn't listen. Pay attention. We can grow, right? The brain is plastic, babe. We can get past things that have kept us down for years, things that have blocked us from our joy, from our fulfillment with enough, you know, little pen to paper journaling, little sun in the eyes, little gratitude practice, little spiritual practice, little therapy, whatever you can overcome. I always think about this because I'm thinking about the job I have now. I was just talking about how it's perfect for me and how all the things that I did in my life before this, which were all over the fucking place, babe. My dad wringing his hands. What is this daughter of mine? She's never going to get it together. She's had eight different jobs. But somehow all of the things that I did, bits of those things fully inform exactly what I do now, like in the most perfect symphonic way, even though there was no way I could have known that at the time, right? And it's extra like meaningful to me because I used to be so fucking concerned with changing paths or trying to do different things. Because I always felt really stressed about this idea, you know, like that people don't want you to be different than who they've decided you are, right? This is friends, this is family, this is anybody, especially if you do something that's like even remotely in the public eye or whatever. Like they just don't like it. They want you to be the one thing they've decided because whatever, it makes them uncomfortable. Change is scary. I don't know. But you know what? Fuck them. Uh, Fuck them. Other people do not shape the outline of who you are. You shape the outline of who you are. You push into them, not the other way around. So do the things you love and are interested in. Try them. You can do them as a career or you can do them just because you fucking love them. You can do it on the side. There's something valuable there. If you're drawn to doing something, there's something calling to you and it's going to make sense why later in a way that you can't understand now. Yeah, maybe I did fucking stand-up comedy briefly at 35 fucking years old. That's right, babe. (laughs) Yeah. Was I amazing? No. I was no George Carlin, okay? But it was fun. 
And it taught me a lot about who I am and what I love and also about what I don't love, namely being outside at night multiple times a week. That was not going to last for me. But just as an example, try the things that you love. Anyway, I've, I've digressed. Speaking of doing a craft for the pure love of it, I did it. I brought us back. Today, I got to talk to the band Dogstar. Um, a band who started up in the 90s as a creative project for a couple of guys who did, in fact, have fairly successful day jobs <laughs> and then broke up in 2002. And you know what? They got back together in the last few years. Why? Just because it's creative and it's cool and because it's fucking fun to be in a band and make music. Inspiring. And also, I'm grateful to Dogstar for coming on. Here's my chat with Brett, Keanu, and Rob from Dogstar. I hope you enjoy it. 24. You guys, I'm joined by the members of Dog Star, Robert Mailhouse, Brett Domros, and what was your name, sir? Uh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. You guys, what a gorgeous time to have you. I need to take a quick moment to fan out on Brett. Sir, you were in the nuns. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. That is so fucking cool. I read that. I did a little deep dive, some information. Um, can you just tell me a little briefly, what was that like? I know it wasn't like, it was like 1990, like early, but that fucking first Nuns album is one of my favorite albums of all time. I can't believe you played in that band. Wow. That was a deep dive. Wow. <laughs> That's what I do around here. What can I say about the Nuns? God bless them. Um, so cool. It was uh, my first like big concert that I played and uh, at the I-Beam in San Francisco. And it was, it was pretty intense. Um, I wasn't really a punk rock guy as much as more of a regular rock guy, but they, they recruited me in as one of the many guitar players they had over the years. And we recorded sure, the Wikipedia list is 10 pages long. Yeah. I mean, it has some, <laughs> some legendary people in that band over the years. So it was, uh, it was a good way to get my feet wet as a teenager in in a in the real world. Okay, Doogie Hauser, just like okay, I'm a teenager. I'm gonna go play with the nuns. The nun for you guys listening who don't know the nuns. First of all, educate yourselves. But secondly, they were like the blondie that didn't happen. Like they were like so fucking good. Could have new wave punk, open for the Sex Pistols on their first San Francisco shows that were also their last shows in America forever. Very cool. Anyway, sorry. I just had to take that moment because that first Nuns album was a big deal to me. And I, when I saw that you were in it, I was like, this is very fucking cool. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do a quick Dog Star TLDR for everyone listening. I, I listen to a lot of your guys' interviews and I just don't want to do the fun game where you have to answer the same question 6,000 times about like, well, what's it like to be back after it's we're, we're just going to tell them. Okay. Dog star started out chance encounter at a grocery store in 1991. That was a Mayfair before I remember it, but I think it's a Gelson's now started in 1992 in a garage. Brett joined in 94, toured a bunch, opened for David Bowie. Not a big deal. Became extremely famous in Japan. Makes sense. Put out first release Quattro Formaggi in 96. Okay. Quick question. Produced by Rick Parashar. Do you guys do it at London Bridge? We did. That is fucking iconic. For you guys that don't know, okay, Rick Prashar, weirdly, honestly, erased from music history in a way that I don't really understand, but did Pearl Jam 10, did the fucking Temple of the Dog album, Alice in Chains Dirt, like, legend, and that studio, I mean, it kind of makes sense why they called you guys grunge at the time, right? Probably because 
you did this. Might have been the error there. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, yeah. we were Rick was a that. lovely guy. He, he was, um, yeah, it was, it was a really, we really had a fun affair and they were really nice to us. He fed us. He was nice. He taught us a lot of stuff, you know. It was it was a good start. Sure. They were like, oh, we'll just squeeze Dogstar in between Pearl Jam and Allison Chains here. <laughs> we'll make some time for you guys. Um, he also iconically did the Nickelback album, Silver Side Up, which I actually really like. This is how you remind me on it. I don't know how you guys feel about it. You don't have to answer that. Also, Honest Anyway, a banger. Sorry, it's giving grunge counter-programming, like MTV Buzzbin realness. I know it's not, we're not talking about that right now, but I just want to let you guys know. I like that song. Okay. Then our little visionary first album, Ed Stasium. Not a fucking big deal either. The man produced Road to Ruin by the Ramones. Okay, no problem. Get that guy on the horn. And then also, you guys, if you haven't listened to his remix of Tim by The Replacements, Gorge. Happy Ending (laughs) in 2000. Also, another song I love, Blown Away. We don't want to talk about it. Just need to let you know. Then you guys broke up in 2002. Anyway, now, hello, it's 21 years later. Hello, welcome back. New album. It is called Somewhere Between the Power Lines and Palm Trees. Did I get like that mostly That's accurate? It. That's it. <laughs> Did I miss anything in those? We opened for Bon Jovi too. Oh, I'm so sorry. Bon, bon Jovi was a big, a fellow, a fellow thespian. Um, and I love that for you guys. <laughs> That's a that's a real range, Bowie and <laughs> Bowie and Bon Jovi. That's the name of our next album, from Bowie to Jovi. <laughs> from Bowie to Jovi. <laughs> the new album is so good, you guys. I saw that it was produced by Dave Triumfo. Is that how you say his last name? Trump- Trumfio. Trumfio. Wow, look at yeah. A, not a woman in STEM, not a woman in English pronunciation either. But I have other skills. Um, he did my favorite Billy Bragg Wilco album. Yeah, Have you guys listen to that one. Ugh. Uh-uh. Bruv with California stars. Bye. I can kind of hear that, that like attention to sort of like detail of layering on your guys' album, dude. Am I you can you can hear that on 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 the Dylan Street yes! track? Like his Yes. That's where I feel like he he's his inner Wilco came out and he just Is that him ripping the harmonica solo? Because that shit is sick. That's Rob. No, that's me. That's me. Yeah. Robert Mailhouse, that's you ripping that harmonica solo. It is r- so good. I was really blown. I, l- I live for a harmonica solo. Thank you. Thank you really so good. much. That's kind of you. I don't know if I was ripping, I was but I was blown away by it. I really, I really <laughs> love that song. Um, Sunrise, although maybe my favorite, because I feel like that's like a jangly power pop adjacent moment. Yeah. That's cool. we, don't hear, we don't hear people often say they like Sunrise. So. Thank you for that. Yeah, that one's been kind of ignored, sadly. But you got it right. It is a jangly power poppy tune. Listen, I'm a music professional who talks about music for a living. <laughs> Can you not tell by how eloquent I am about it? Well, I saw... Okay, I just want to get into it real quick before we get into the 24 questions. Um, I did go through all of your DNA playlists and the range, babe. First of all, I, di- I need to know who amongst you fucks with Discharge? Is that that's Keanu? Bruh. I was like, yeah. Who, <laughs> who, who slipped a little discharge into this? Into this mix? Yeah, I love discharge. They um, Same, babe. when I heard that song, why that they did, yes. I was just like, that's music and protest and questioning and punk rock. You know, 
you have the kind of intellectual fugazi and then you have this emotional outcry with discharge it's so good i was i had like some anarcho-punk older friends when i was like in the sixth grade that were like here's discharge and i was like what the fuck is this my whole little life was changed yeah i mean i figured like with in that arena like you had discharge and then you had the exploited Mm -hmm, totally you know which was like the power poppier version of punk rock yeah but still kind of socially conscious at the same time you know Oh my God, totally. Which, you know, later yielded things like Rancid and other great, great things. Also Scottish, so you couldn't really understand what Wadi was saying ever, which I think really added to the mystique. Yeah. Also why I want a Scottish boyfriend, because I feel like we would last so long because I would never understand what he could, he's saying. Do you know what I mean? Like we'd have such a beautiful relationship. Um, but then also like, okay, classic, iconic, Pixies, Joy Division, Big Star, The Fall, The Cure, like... It's giving it's giving men of a certain age <laughs> that have good taste in music, Gen X men who collect records, and we love that. But then you guys are like, also, how about a little Def Leppard and Cheap Trick and Rick Springfield? <laughs> that's Brett. That's you, yeah. Brett. Yeah, that's, that's my um, that's my post nuns one eighty <laughs> returning to the, your guitar regular guitar rock roots. That was your rehab. That yeah, was Brett's rehab. That was my soul food <laughs> pop and rock um i like it all i like it all so you'll see i never got into cheap trick but i think it's nearing time for my journey cheap trick is fun it's just fun yeah i've you listen. don't look too hard at cheap trick yeah they're, they're just fun and they're they're talented and uh they write some very good hooks i love a hook and a har- do you have any harmonica solos i don't know about that Rob might be able to jump in on their new record. <laughs> Hard pass. Also, Camper Van Beethoven. Hat tip to you guys. I fucking love Camper Van De- Beethoven. A little sense of humor. Before I was, and there is a trivia piece for you. Before I even was in the nuns, I opened for Camper Van Beethoven with my other band. Really? A little teenager in San Jose, California. They're so good. That's the kind of band that I'm like, we live in a broken society that more people don't talk about Camper Van Beethoven because they were really good and they don't get the... Like, they should be on the low. And Cracker. I, I love Cracker. I love well. Cracker. <laughs> I love Cracker. Right. Low. Kerosene Hat is a great jam. Bangers. And then you guys were like, what about a quick bit of NWA? Can you explain that part a little bit? I Is that just more spiritual? Because <laughs> that album was, it was so explosive, amazing, and beautiful. I know it was challenging record, but to some people, but the the lyrics, the music, the voicings, and it's just fucking so powerful. It's amazing. Agree. Also, Public Enemy, I saw you had on there. Okay, we really covered all the bases, and let's never forget Adele, because you managed to squeeze in an Adele song also. Yeah, who and Adele Billy Joe. Yeah. Keanu or Rob? Who's the sad man? That would be Keanu. Mm. I did the Adele. <laughs> Keanu's like, okay, I have two non-negotiables. Discharge and that would be a good bill. I'd get a mashup of that. Um, all right. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't know if you guys know the deal here. The deal here is I ask the same 24 questions every time. One is a wild card. You're allowed to skip one because there's three of you. There's two options for how we can do this. I think the first couple of questions you guys can all answer because they're kind of short answers. And then after that, either you guys can decide who answers it or I can decide. Which would you prefer? Ooh. 
was brave. Yes, he wanted to do it. <laughs> wow. Okay. The trust. Yeah, you take take control. Don't mind if I do, babe. Otherwise, we'll yeah. just go on forever. We'll just keep talking. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and be like, you take it. No, why don't you want to take it? What's going on? Sure, a little negotiation. We're gonna get into. <laughs> we're gonna get into talking. It'd be about twenty four questions in twenty four hours. Yeah, it's gonna be a who's on first type situation. <laughs> yeah, we would just have to rename your show. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have. I've got all the time in the world, but let's not do that for the listeners. And so, wait, you, now, can I just say the 24-hour party people movie? Is this that? I, that I've seen, I think I've watched that Steve Coogan film like 19 times. I'm sorry, times. controversial opinion. It's the only good music film. It's the only good one. It's it's brilliant. I love that whole scene, that factory record scene, and the Manchester scene. So good. All those bands that came out of the Hacienda, yeah. and that that's a real big influence on the I have another I, podcast called Bandsplain, which is where I explain bands. And I was doing the Joy Division episode, and I get very deep and mentally ill into my research. And that, like, really that was the best counter watch to Control, which I'm so sorry is a bad movie. Like, this poor man, he was not just like the saddest, most depressed man on earth. He was also funny and like charming and interesting, and it was just like so flattened Ian Curtis. And I was like, do we have to do this? Like, anyway, sorry, quick sidebar made me angry. I know you guys are also Joy Division stands. So, um, all right. Number one, what are you guys' signs, astrological signs? I'm a Sagittarius. Gorge. Don't ask me to spell that, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Aquarius. Oh, okay. I'm a Virgo. Keanu's a Virgo. Wow. This is a really amazing pairing because you have fire, earth, and air. So it's a really balanced. It kind of probably makes sense why you guys... I would assume have like sort of like um, a musical relationship that is both like harmonious, but also like everyone, just like your playlist, like everyone brings something different to the table because that's what it's giving in your astrology. Apparently I'm the water bearer, so I have no idea. Well, Aquarius Aquarius and Sagittarius are two of the most do their own thing signs in the whole Zodiac. So it's blessed that you have a Virgo here to like hold down the fort like ground earth everyone because otherwise Sagittarius is going to want to change all the time. Aquarius is like super heady is going to just like want to always like do something different. So it's a really good pairing. Oh my gosh. You peered into our band soul. That's right. (laughs) Again, I said, I'm a woman of many talents, many talents. And one of them is astrological readings. Piano is the organized one. He is the note taker. He is the, of course he's a Virgo (laughs) practical. They love to help Virgos. He's a giver. He's a giver. Okay. Number two, what did you guys eat today? It is 11.23 a.m. on the West Coast. I'll start off because this is easy. I've just had this crystal geyser water. That's it. Brett, babe, are we intermittent fasting? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait. Yassi, what's your sign? I'm a Taurus. Thank you for asking. Okay. Also earthy. Less helpful. More into my own comfort. <laughs> <laughs> so Brett didn't eat. Brett didn't eat. I have a sandwich in the other room waiting for me, but I didn't have time to eat it. Okay, but what breakfast? How long have you been awake? 45 minutes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Brett is living that rock star lifestyle until he fucking <laughs> dies, babe. I've been up for five and a half hours. <laughs> okay, Rob Mailhouse, what did you eat today? I had a chocolate chip cookie and a little bit of oatmeal and some coffee. Babe, you had a chocolate chip cookie for breakfast. What's going on over I there? <laughs> it's not the holidays yet. I am so I just, I just, I, it goes really well with coffee. Are we getting enough protein? I'm a little concerned that you're not getting enough protein. 
I'm not. I, I need some more protein. So I'm gonna I'm gonna um, eat some um, Korean food after this. Okay. <laughs> all right. I was thinking more like a protein shake, like something with a little health, perhaps some greens in it. But all right, Rob. What about you, Keanu Reeves? What did you? Um, eat I had tonight? a I had a blueberry pop tart. Wow, you guys. <laughs> I'm actually gonna stage an intervention. What's happening? This is not Dog Star is not doing well on the health scorecard. A pop tart. <laughs> Yeah. Did we mention that we're 12? See, this is, this is what I'm saying. This is more telling than like, oh, why do you guys still want to be in a band? Obviously, you still want to be in a band because you're all still 15 years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I had a cup of coffee with it. So, Did you also wake up 30 minutes ago? No, I've been up since 6.30 in the morning. That's right. Me too. That's my guy. That's what we do. We like to, we get outside, we get the sun in our eyes, we set the circadian rhythm. I mean, I do that, but you, should, you guys should do that too. I was up at 7.45 and then... Where I'm staying right now, it was so cold. I decided I'm getting back into bed. And then three hours later. Oh. Yeah, Los Angeles is known for our frigid winters. I'm in Northern <laughs> California right now. Oh, He's okay. in San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, San Fran. Yeah, Somewhere. very cold. Very cold. Um, all right. Number three, everybody. What did, Have you listened to music today? And if so, what was it? I have not. <laughs> Wow, Brett has been sitting in absolute silence with no food his whole morning. Gorgeous. We're, we'll return to this because I'm concerned <laughs> about you, Rob. He Malhouse. was in the nuns. He was in the nuns. He's like a he's like a Buddhist now. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, babe, what have you listened to music wise today? You know, I I turned on my my thing and and Billie Holiday came up. Autumn in New York. I did not. It just came up. That was was playing this morning in my house. Billy Holiday. A beautiful yeah. vibe. Yeah. Okay. Keanu? With the chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Okay. It's it's nice. I was listening yeah. to uh, Pretty in Pink. We might do that as a cover, so I was trying to learn how to play it. Oh, my God. That's a good song. Psychedelic Furs. Yeah. Do you guys want to do the record version or the video version? Not you guys having a band <laughs> meeting so during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we need your advice. Okay, next question. <laughs> next question. <laughs> um, all right. Number four. What is the first song that made a meaningful impact on you as a child? Brett, take it away, babe. That would be Nilsson Without You. Yeah, it stopped me in my tracks, wherever wherever I was going when I was that young. But uh, I just remember thinking like, oh, that guy's making me feel a certain way. My heart feels funny. I need to listen to this. I love that. And then were you like, I want to sing after that? Or you no, were just kind of like... I, you know, singing came last for me. I, I wanted to... I wanted to be everything that music was. I didn't know at that like seven or six years old, whatever that was, but I just, I knew I loved it. So I didn't really get interested in guitar until I was around 11. Played around on the piano a little bit when I was like seven, eight, nine. Um, but then around 11, I realized I got to do this probably as much as possible. And so in the guitar and then in my teen years, the singing came with the songwriting. But originally it was just guitar that I was obsessed with. Okay. That makes sense. Young man obsessed with guitar. <laughs> Tale as old as time. Um, Rob, what was the first song that made a meaningful impact on you as a child? You know, I guess, you know, when you're little and you're going to school in the whatever, the fifth through eighth grades, or when you can remember, the clock radios used to go off and wake me up in the morning. So the song that flipped me out the most, that was like haunting where I couldn't get out of bed, 
was uh, Roberta Flack killing me softly. Oh, I just couldn't. I just I was sort of stunned because I wasn't under, I didn't understand what I was listening to because it was just sort of a, it wasn't like a happy hey get out of bed song. And I always remember just sort of lying there and I couldn't get out. I had to listen to the whole song and my mom would come in and listen to it. It has a similar rip your heart out to without you. It, it does. I was just going to say that because I love Harry Nielsen as well. That they're, they're, you're right. They're both. There's just something about those songs that. That just sort of, it's just so personal, but I don't know. It's just beautiful. And the melody was beautiful too, you know. You guys are a little emo. I like that. You're t- tender. I was too young to like understand this, what that song meant, but I, it didn't matter. I just, I just did. It was haunting to me. So it stuck with me in my head when I was little. Yeah. I kind of believe it doesn't matter what songs mean because they telegraph something emotionally and it's like an interpretive thing and like who cares what they were talking about. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about pavement songs. I'm like, I don't know what this man is on about, but this is about me and my high school. <laughs> uh, but so. not dismiss the lyrical medium. I, I'm a writer by craft. I mean, I failed at it. It's why I do podcasting now. It happens to the best of us. But I do pay attention to lyrics and I appreciate them. I'm just saying they're open to interpretation, just like all literature. <laughs> I find that, okay, find that uh, the ladies listen to the lyrics more than the men. That, in my experience, when I talk to people, find that yeah, the makes girls sense. Pay, are paying more attention on the sensitive side. Maybe we're trying to get a message. And the guys are just like banging their head to the beat, like ah. <laughs> yeah. The guys are like, "That's a sick riff." Yeah, you're that sick riff. <laughs> Speaking of sick riffs, I want you guys to know that Keanu Reeves is also using um, my podcast time to practice his bass. <laughs> They're having a band meeting. They're practicing bass. The disrespect. Okay. I was going to make an omelet. I was about to make an omelet. He was, Rob was going to make an omelet. Brett has only been awake for 20 minutes, so he's just situating to the world, but I'm sure he's going to do something else as well. Keanu Reeves, what was the first song that made a meaningful impact on you as a child? Um, I don't know if I had a single song, but may, I would say Christmas carols, like Silent Night and The Little Drummer Boy and, sure. I don't know, Christmas carols, like caroling carols. Like nursery rhymes too. I mean, that means that's true though, right? When you're little, nursery rhymes are they're so full of melody. And it's not a song. Yeah. yeah. But Silent Night is like emotionally devastating. So I kind of understand. <laughs> is it not? Like even I hear it now, and I will like burst into tears. It's such a it's such a sad song. Silent Night. Oh mm. yeah, and my mom would play like you know Christmas albums, right? So like all like all year round. No, she didn't quite go that crazy, (laughs) but but I did like them, and I liked singing along to them as a kid. Right, and and then you were like, one day I'll play the bass. (laughs) Yeah, sort of a short from from Silent Night. Okay, Gorge. Twenty four. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles. 
because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Number five. What is the first album you bought with your own money or shoplifted with your own two hands? The statute of limitations has passed, so you're allowed to admit that. This time, we'll change it up. Let's start with Rob. The one I bought with my own money, I mean, I had two older sisters that were about six years older than me, so I got a lot of records that I didn't have to buy. But I remember mowing some lawns or washing cars. I was washing cars in my neighborhood in Connecticut. And I went out and bought Elvis Costello, My Aim is True. That was the one I just bought with my own car wash money. Yeah. That album is so, so good. I feel like I got that on vinyl by accident at a garage sale when I was young. And I just... That was the only way I could buy it was on vinyl. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to point out how much younger I am than you guys, but I'm quite a bit younger than you guys. (laughs) You had it on eight track. Amazing. Um, Yeah, that's a really good one. Okay. Keanu Reeves. Um, I couldn't remember what album I bought first. I remember that because... I, it said your own money. Yeah. Because I remember I asked for a Three Dog Night album when I saw an advertisement, and I think when I was like 10 or something like that on TV, and I asked my stepfather to, to get it from KTEL, Three Dog Night. But then when I was thinking about it, maybe I couldn't, th- I couldn't remember like the first album. It was probably came from Sam the Record Man in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, but I don't remember what the first one was. I love that you don't just even want to make it up like we'll ever know. Like there's no fact checker here. <laughs> <laughs> like you could say anything. I know, but... I, yeah. Okay, what was the first one you shoplifted? Uh, I, did, I never stole a record. I stole candy. And I stole yeah. go-kart stuff. And you stole a lot of hearts. Uh, I did notice, Rob, from my extensive watching of your interviews, that you are the funny one. That you, you're no, the, com- no. the comedic relief. Yeah, you come in, you come in hard and fast with the jokes, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Brad Domros, what about you? What was the first album you bought and or stole? Oh, and or I, have, I get to do two. Um, sure. First one I bought would be Outland More by the Police. Their first. Record. Okay, good one. Great record. And I was intrigued because uh, while I was at the record store, I realized they had multiple album covers, artwork for that album. They had the same picture of those guys with their little blonde hair, but then the printing was red on some, was yellow on some. It was so I remember being like having a dilemma, like which one should I get? I found this guy at the record <laughs> yeah. store was like, they're all the same album. So <laughs> You're like, but they're not. I think I got the red, red printing. I, I might, I might have shoplifted Tom Petty. I'm not sure if it actually, if I went through with it or not. Wow, Thomas Petty. I mean, it was, it was a different time. The music industry was healthy and thriving. They didn't need our money. I think I tried to steal a vinyl, and then I realized I, this isn't going to work. It's too big and bulky, so I gave up. I know that was really difficult. Thank God when I was shoplifting, it was CDs. I mean, they were long boxes, so you did have to get a little creative with like a big pants, but you could do it. All right, we are at. 
Number six. Okay. Did anyone in your childhood ever tell you you're never going to make it or something like that like they do in the movies? And if so, who was it and what did you say back? Brett. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. That happened. I, <laughs> I can't name names. Um, a friend, a, a childhood friend of mine had this mom who was very opinionated. And she was very concerned that I wasn't going to go to college, make something of myself. Mm-hmm. At around the age of 17, you know, chasing this rock and roll dream. And I got a big lecture from this woman. And I said, well, I don't need to go to college because it's just going to work out. Did you ever like get back in touch with her to be like, well, now I'm famous in Japan, ma'am. Okay. So actually it was fine. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's like, what are you going to do? It's, it's your friend's mom. You got to leave it alone. I don't know. I always have really creative solutions for this. Like um, Darius Rucker came on from Hootie and the Blowfish and he was telling me his story. The person that told him he was never going to make it. And I was like, that's interesting. You have the 16th highest selling album of all time. Do you ever think maybe like once a year you could send them a pallet of CDs and just a quick, just a brief reminder, like every year on their birthday to be like, hey, just thinking of you, here is a pallet of my 16th best selling album of all time, Cracked Review. That's all. I'm not a petty and vindictive person. I just feel like people should have to have consequences for how they behave. Well, there's, there's no concert ticket left for her. I'll just leave it at that. There we go. Yeah. She's not on the list <laughs> when we open for David Bowie on Halloween. Okay. <laughs> that. She can't come see the night. As okay. as I get. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number seven. Rob, when was the last time you lied? When I told my wife I was a virgin. <laughs> You did? <laughs> no, I, <didn't. laughs> I, I fully believed you just then. You just lied right now. You lied right now. <laughs> I, I just lied right now. Um, I don't, you know, I don't like, I'm not a big, I don't like, I don't remember the last time I lied. I, I don't, I don't like it. It's too complicated. It's too hard. Right. Sure. I, I don't, um, I mean, I know this thing's called white lies, but what what the heck is that? That's just a lie. It's just, I don't... Don't you have children? No. Okay, so most you people who have children are like, oh, they're like... Well, no. are you, do, you have to, See, if you have children, you've absolutely lied. There's no possible way you raised children and didn't lie like 150,000 times. So that would be like if they ask you if there's Santa Claus and you say, yes, there's a Santa Claus. That's, or, that's a sure. white lie, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I don't... I mean, the last time... Um, I don't remember. I mean, you know, when you're little, I think you just, you make things up out of insecurity to other kids. You were a child. I don't believe you. <laughs> um, I don't really know. I don't have anything to what lie about. When I love your it. wife asks, does this look good on me? Do you always just say yes? Or when you were like, I'm excited to do Those this podcast. I actually was excited to do this podcast. Um, Hey, Rob, you're too nice. You asked the wrong. I'm I'm not a good liar. I'm a terrible. I can't. I don't want. It's too difficult. That's it. You know what? The truth is so much easier. Then you don't have to worry about anything. Well, you clearly weren't raised by Iranian parents who were who were immigrants and didn't let you do anything, and thus you developed a robust system of lying so that you could um, do anything as a child. Okay, sorry. Some of us have good reasons for lying. (laughs) All right, number eight. What character in a book or film do you relate to the most and why Keanu Reeves? Um, gosh. Um, I don't know. 
I mean, I remember reading Lord of the Rings and being struck by Aragorn. Mm. But like you felt kind of seen. You were like, oh, he's just like me for real. I'm sure there's some like deep or not so deep, shallow creek water there somewhere. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's always worth bringing up in therapy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's let's get to the root of this. Like, what? Why am I seeing myself in the Lord of the Rings? He's um, I mean, he's a good character, right? That's he's the yeah, he's the heir to the throne. He he is um, he's kind of a bit of the hero. Yeah, there's a little hero in there, a little mystery, little. Had strength. Yeah. But like a little dark, like a full, like a real hero's journey where it's like, he's yeah. not perfect, guys. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Good one. Um, I'm for the first like two minutes when you said that, in my mind, I heard Lord of the Flies and I was like, what <laughs> is wrong with Keanu Reeves? He literally needs to be committed to an institution because that is piggy. really the piggy. Piggy. <laughs> And then it then it clicked in my mind. At least he didn't say catcher in the rhymes. Rob, that's funny you say that. You would you'd be surprised. Men love to say catcher in the. There's two things men love to say: catcher in the rye and um, the whoever is the guy from On the Road, <laughs> Jack Kerouac. Jack Kerouac. And I'm like, I bet, I bet you feel like you're Jack Kerouac and On the Road. <laughs> I bet you do. Um, catcher in the Rye is a great book, though, and I understand. We did all feel seen, but okay. Fucking legend. I had two cats, Franny and Zoe, because of that man. There you go. All right. Number nine. Okay. Number nine is what was your biggest sliding doors moment? So biggest sliding doors moment. If you've seen the Gwyneth Paltrow film, gorgeous rom-com, she misses a train. There's two timelines. Things happen. This is more asking if you had made a different choice, you wouldn't be here where we are right now. Rob. Well, if I didn't go to Gelson's, I would never have met Keanu and I wouldn't be here talking to you guys that's pretty good. The, May- the Mayfair in your hockey jersey. Yeah. 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 It's an expensive grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was then, but. I mean, it's true. Like you think about t- moments you decide and you're sitting at home and you're like, oh, you open the refrigerator and you know, I need something. And like, and yeah. then you go down and you meet someone and changes your life and, and all the, the experiences just by getting out of your house. I mean, that's the thing. I think if, if you never really, if you isolate, not as many things happen. I mean, totally. maybe personally they do, but when you, as soon as you sort of saying yes and going out and doing things, you know, it's just like a rock in a pond. You, you, things start to happen. And I'm, yeah, a, I'm, a, I'm totally. a homebody, so it was, but when you're younger, you're out more. So that was, for me, that was a moment where, you know, just going to, I don't remember, I think it was going to get some pasta or something. <laughs> We all we all need some dry pasta here in a gun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying I've gone to the grocery store, conservatively speaking, at this point in my life, 10,000 times. Not one gorgeous chance encounter has happened to me. Why do you think that is? Do I have a bad aura? Do you think Not people really, don't want to talk You to never me? know. You're so right. Well, now I go to Erewhon. It's like there's no one there you want to talk to. And I like really quick in and out like... Try not to make eye contact. Plus, you need like a platinum card for Erewhon. It's like I'm not proud of it, Rob. Okay, I'm not proud of it. But <laughs> is it I'm an Erewhon girl? Spells the word nowhere backwards and uses that as their name. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I mean, it's technically not nowhere backwards. I think they meant that. It's a bit of a cult. Whatever. Who cares? It's healthy, delicious food. And if I'm going to give my money to a cult, I'd rather give it to them than to Jeff Bezos. 
Mm-hmm. So <laughs> then we're not here to talk about Erewhon. Next question. <laughs> you guys could have met at the Erewhon, though. That was also around back then in the 90s. Um, just a little, further, a little further away from your house. Um, mm-hmm. Number 10, Keanu Reeves. What characteristic are you most drawn to in other people? Um, God, I don't know. It's so obvious, but I don't know. There's spirit. That's not that obvious. I mean, like, okay, not, can you expand a little more? Like, what about? It's not specific. It's not one thing. But it can be the whole of all of those things. Okay, you just you just see someone's spirit shine through, and that's what you're drawn to. Yeah. Do you feel like it's easy to see someone's spirit like within a short amount of time? Uh, I think you can interpret one. You might not be right, mm. but you'll have an opinion. That's true. Most most people do love to say sense of humor, so I appreciate the change, <laughs> the change of pace, um, which I will say I think is a bad one. I don't think that's a good one. Fair enough. Sense of, not yours. I think sense of humor is a bad one. I think it doesn't mean anything, and I think people are beguiled by it. It's just charm. Charm is not an indicator of goodness or badness. It's just a party trick, you know? Hmm. That's just my That's opinion. true. Mussolini was hilarious. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it was a very known stand-up comedian, Mussolini. And look, he, he did many, did did many bad things. He did some Type bad five. Things. <laughs> Type five. Okay. Number 11. This is for Brett. Brett, who is the last person you met that you were starstruck by when you're hobnobbing in Tinseltown? Uh, as I'm sure you do. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, who's the last person, but Probably Steve Perry, the singer from Journey. Oh yeah, I was surprised by how it affected me when he walked into the room. How did did you talk to him? I did. He he came to our uh, recording session, and he actually sang on one of our songs. And yeah, I I was standing right next to him. We were singing in the same microphone, and I was I was pretty much freaking out. And I remember being so surprised about how much I was freaking out. And uh, but that was I was the starstruck moment for sure. Like that, if you'd asked me like. Who would make you starstruck? I would have probably not chosen him right out of the gate, but right. that was that. It was like, holy shit. Were you a big journey guy before? I think it might have something to do with the fact that the first slow dance that I ever had was a journey song in seventh grade or whatever it was. Whenever you have your first slow dance, I, I don't know if there's a, a, an unconscious connection to that, but I don't know. The guy's just a badass singer, and and I didn't realize how much respect I had until I stood next to him. Did it occur to you to take a selfie of the two of you and then send it to your friend's mom oh, when you were younger? God, just, I wish I knew you back then. Just like a quick update. I know. I'm just saying it was what a beautiful moment to be like, oh, I'm never going to make it. Yeah, right. Am I? Is this been, not me and Steve Perry? That would have been beautiful. I didn't stop believing, ma'am. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> next question. Um, number 12. Brad, I'll throw it back to you. When's the last time you slid into someone's DMs? Obviously, this doesn't have to be romantically. Just in general, maybe you're like, oh, I love your band or like cool art piece or whatever. Uh, I sent a message to Mark Ronson. It was a congratulatory message about production. Okay. I like that. That's a happy, that's a pleasant... um, I have a friend who sometimes takes Ambien to sleep and she like inexplicably then ends up DMing like the weirdest things to people like Martinelli's apple juice. Like she sent like a two page long DM to Martinelli's apple juice to say how much she loved it. And I was like, that's, that's the kind of DMs we need to get into. Just a, a beautiful, congratulatory, positive message. You don't care if they write back or not. Maybe you're on a little ambient. That's all good. The world needs more. Uh, 
That's what I'm saying. People should be kinder in DMs and less about the guys who DM me and are like, oh my God, thank you for doing that four-hour um, podcast about Rancid, but I can't believe you didn't mention this arcane piece of info about when Tim Armstrong was on a soundtrack. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, I, I can't believe it either. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. Okay, number 13, Rob. What is the horniest song ever in your personal opinion? Oh, thank God you got that, not me. Oh, man. Um, Think about strip clubs. The horniest song. Can it be romantic or or is it sexy or is that? Yeah, I can. You can answer the question however you want. You have free will. You know. You know. <laughs> I'm not going to be mad. I, I I think a really beautiful, sexy sort of romantic sort of song is the Mazzy Star fade into you. Just. I love that song. It just sort of gets. It's just so. It, it's just a beautiful love letter. To, I mean, when I hear that song, I sort of dream off and sort of get all float away on a cloud of yeah okay it's, a, it's the village people it's the village it's, it's it's actually journey and that's why brett was so starstruck <laughs> steve perry <laughs> why um, um yeah no that's a beautiful i just love that song Mazzy yeah, stars it's, it's a beautiful song Mazzy star is so good Baby. so good we did a and we did a episode about them recently and I learned so much and they were such an interesting group who did not want to be famous <laughs> and really just receded from the limelight but were so good three albums four albums you can tell when you know when when they played live she she was very sort of you know oh, what's the right word just um, oh, humble or just she didn't want to she wasn't out there like you know screaming it up she was no. sort of was, was beautiful we saw them brad we, we were in we played in scotland and they were on another stage there that's so cool and that's when that was yeah it was beautiful yeah she would get mad if people talked while she was singing <laughs> honestly respect don't play all yeah all. i saw michael stipe do that at a club in hartford connecticut and he was like shut told up. everyone to please just shut up, shut up. <laughs> he was playing um, camera beautiful Okay, this one I'm going to toss back to Brett because <laughs> I will get in trouble if I ask Keanu. What is the biggest money you've ever turned down, Brett? <laughs> Brett's turning it down right now. Brett, just turn it down and hang up. <laughs> uh, as a band, I think that I think that would be the Pepsi commercial. That would have to be the winner. What right? Pepsi? Com they were like, "We want you in a Pepsi commercial." Just the music or the whole band? Uh, I'm not. <laughs> and you guys were like, really no. sure? I don't think we got too far into like how or what. I think. Yeah, way back when they they offered us to be in a commercial, and uh, I think it was the band might have been in it. I don't know. Sure, it wasn't right for the really time, and uh, it didn't. You know, we were we were trying and to to just do things on our terms, and, and uh, it didn't quite. But I don't know. I get. I mean, I don't. If if we've been offered any more money than that, I'm not aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't get filtered to you. I mean, that's a good answer. You know, listen, you're trying to make it as a garage band. You don't want to be selling out that quick for Pepsi. Maybe for Coke. Coke is so much better. It's more delicious. So, like, <laughs> it's perhaps <laughs> for Coke. Well, definitely not for Pe Coke. No Pepsi. Yeah, Pepsi is disgusting. <laughs> <Pretty> gorge. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. 
number 15. I'm still going to ask you this one, though, too, Keanu, because I actually really want to know your answer. No, what is the no, best- no. Actually, don't ask me that question. No. What's, what's the question? What's the best <laughs> live show you've ever seen? <laughs> wow, this man, this man playing bass throughout my entire podcast <laughs> and then does not want to answer my beautiful question about the best no, live show he's no. ever seen. I mean, is that what that clackety sound? I, he's playing bass right now? He's practicing for your guys' upcoming shows. <laughs> oh, God. You know how I like to play bass when I'm talking, hanging out. Uh, guys, what's your what's your favorite show that you've have, that you've seen? Yeah, you guys can the all best answer live show. A live yeah. show. That was you two unforgettable fire tour for me. Oh God, Brad, I'm so jealous. Yeah, San Francisco Cal Palace, 1986, seven, something oh, like that. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I was five, but the I'm Cal so Palace. The Cal Palace. Yeah, what kind so of a small. name is that? That's where you go see big bands in San Francisco. But it wasn't even that big. Imagine seeing you two there now. <laughs> That's where Keith Moon took all those pills and fell over on the drum set. Then they asked the member of the audience to play to come play for a song. That's how it was at the Cow Palace. <laughs> Just random weird history. I'll go. Can I answer one too? That yeah, question, you guys can answer. Gra- this is a good one. Yeah, because I got. I think it was the best live show you ever seen. I mean, that's hard to pin one down, but sure. one that stuck in my head was the Allman Brothers on New Year's Eve when I was a kid mm-hmm. at the New Haven Coliseum. They played for like three hours and they were just firing on all cylinders, Greg Allman. And it was just a beautiful show. That's so cool. You went with your parents? <laughs> well, you said you were a kid. No, I mean, I was, you know, I was 18 or something. Or seven, okay, you know, so you were, yeah, barely like, enough old to right. drink. But that's cool. Back then, you could just smuggle a whole bottle of Jack Daniels into the show and nobody was saying care. We used to be a proper society. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Keanu, no good, li- no good live shows that you feel like reporting on. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm fun. I don't know. Let's go with. I really enjoyed seeing the Flaming Lips the first time. Okay, it doesn't have to be a superlative. It could just be one time that you had a nice time. Flaming Lips are great. Um, Brett, are you going to go to the Sphere and see you too? Do uh, I am working on that. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out when and how we can get there. It was amazing. <laughs> I've been hearing nothing but amazing stuff about it. What, what, how is the drummer? Is he okay? Is he just taking a break? Larry? Yeah, I think he has back, he has like back problems or something. So he's like recovering. And they got this like Dutch guy who's an incredible drummer. I wish he wouldn't talk, but he's an incredible drummer. I did do a bunch of mushrooms. So I had a little bit of a different experience, maybe, but highly recommend if that's your bag because what a place to do it. It was the coolest. The visuals, everything was so amazing. And Octoon Baby is my favorite. should be interviewing you. Beautiful. I know. That's a whole other podcast where I explain to you um, how I made it through that evening (laughs) with my sanity intact. 24-24. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 24. Um, okay, we are at number 16. Oh my God, we're almost done. Brett, when in your life were you the most fucked up, wasted, hammered, trashed? Lampshade on the head. <laughs> I'll tell you a lot. A lot of people love to answer this question with a time period. They'll be like, oh, yes, the 90s. And I'll be like, no, but that's not the question. Yeah. That, okay. So this one's pretty, for me, in a sense that it kind of was a life altering moment that uh, I was playing bass in a bar band playing cover songs up in uh, Northern California. And I was probably 22. And I blacked out on stage, but apparently continued playing the right notes. Walked around from the front of the stage, wedged myself in behind the drummer and the wall, and then opened my eyes and saw the back of the drummer's head and was like, how the hell did I get here? And then I was freaking out thinking I lost time. And everyone was like, what are you talking about? Why are you freaking out? And you didn't miss a note. And I was just like, they're like, you just walked back there. But that was uh, about, I don't even know how many shots of uh, Rumpelmintz and Jägermeister and probably uh, like 11 Coors Lights one night. And uh, and that's when I knew I needed to move to LA because I knew <laughs> no matter what happens in LA, it's going to be better than what's happening right now. <laughs> so, right. You were like, okay. So I, I moved to LA, that Hollywood and I got my act together. <laughs> <laughs> as people often do and they usually goes the other way getting, but, getting uh, your act together yeah um so, and that was an damn. interesting night for sure yeah shot glasses all over the stage um, yeah can't believe you fun. played the notes still that's really impressive it was joey by concrete blonde one of the best songs of all time yeah thank god an easy one so uh, good. um all right answer. great answer that was Very a great detail. answer <laughs> okay number 17 and 18 are tandem questions I'll just throw it to the group, <laughs> whoever wants to answer. What do you love the most about being famous? And what do you hate the most about being famous? I'm not famous. Okay. Well, everyone says that, but it's like you have some level of notoriety to be here on this podcast. Like I'm a marginally famous podcaster and I even have an answer for this. <laughs> and you're surely more known than I am. But you can see you haven't skipped a question yet. So you're welcome to skip this one. I'm like, Rob, I don't feel famous. Um, Cam is obviously famous, but he's not going to talk about this probably. No, man, I think I'm cool, man. I I think, I mean, for me, it's like, I love when people like what I do. You know, like when I meet folk, I like what, you know, if they like what you do or what you're a part of, that's really cool. And then the, what do you hate about it? Number eight, I think that's 18, right? Um, (laughs) I think uh, the invasion of privacy. Sure. I was going to yeah. say the imposters on, on the social media lately, that's just become a real disaster. God, that's so weird. There's a lot of, every day there's people saying, hey, is this really you? Hey, um, they're trying to ask me for money. Hey. Asking for money. It's just millions of things. And it's gotten so bad. It's like multiple times a day. Yeah. It's really I bad. Now I feel like. Night from, from Alex Winter. Um, and he said, hey, this is a imposter for if you. Check it out. And I was just like, I can't control it. You can't stop it. You know, the powers that you got to get more involved in that. It's gotten out of hand. Yeah. People are getting, no, it's right. I mean, getting hurt the internet it. has absolutely made it 6 million times worse on this front because of that, because people have lost like the layers of humanity that you have 
when you're in front of someone and they just like act like it's nuts. Like they completely just lose this part of your like cerebral cortex that tells you don't do that. Like it's just, it's so nuts. Like I I have a, I have a theory that we're nearing the end of this and the pendulum is about to swing back the other way and people are going to kind of distance from social media and they're going to like reclaim. I can already see kids like the younger generation doing this. Like they're not as into like sharing all their stuff online. Like I think, I think it's really going back to like people actually valuing sort of mystery and privacy. There's an astrological reason for it too. Go back to reading and books. I noticed that too, kids and their parents. I noticed some, there's people reading more too. Yeah. I see that shit, a little slight shift. It's so heartening. I'm the worst generation because I grew up in the peak time of like, share your personal essay on a live journal and tell everyone everything about yourself. And that was like totally accepted and we all just did it. And then we didn't understand how much that like cheapens you, you know, like it cheapens who you are trying to like flatten who you are into sort of like two dimensions. I don't know. This is a longer TED talk that I'll have to give elsewhere. Um, <laughs> to your friends when you see them because they already know everything you've been doing. Well, yeah, or they know what you like carefully curated to present to them, but they you're like, actually, I'm Le Miz, babe. I am struggling. And they're like, oh, but you look so happy on social media. <laughs> um, okay, number 19. This is the wild card. Anyone and everyone can answer this. I think you guys probably will all have a good answer. If you guys could go on tour with any band of all time, living or dead, who would it be? Living or dead? Yeah, I know. I opened it up real, real, real wide. <laughs> I mean, I'll go. With, I'll go with you too. Nice, Brett. It doesn't have to be at the Sphere, guys. We'll play for you anywhere. <laughs> it, it could be anywhere. <laughs> it doesn't have to be at the Sphere. <laughs> Can be though. Yeah, whatever you guys need, just let me know. <laughs> Let's get Bono on the horn, baby. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go on that tour. That sounds like a fun tour. <laughs> Canada's like, yeah, me too. I hear they present every opening band with a case of Guinness and a bottle of Dom Perignon and say, welcome to the tour. So just, I just want that moment. You <laughs> just want the Guinness. You, to the stage. you just want to black out on stage one last time <laughs> and sit in front of you too. <laughs> oh yeah. I can get, I can get that for you, Brett. Uh, <laughs> I'll get you a case of Guinness and a bottle of Dom. Welcome to the tour. Lad. Christmas is coming. I'm, I'm fully prepared. to. Rob, do you have a, I actually one that's touring. I mean, I, I love, I love. Well, the they said alive or dead, love. right? You said anybody like alive or dead, yeah. But you wouldn't. But not Rob, the Beatles, Rob. Open. You wouldn't want to open for the Beatles. I don't know if I'd want to open for the Beatles. <laughs> that's right. That's stressful. <laughs> that would be stressful. The Pixies is a great one. I would personally, I would pick the Pixies pre first breakup, which was precipitated by you two. Great, yeah, Kim Deal. I love Kim Deal. Yeah, that would be that would be a great. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. What I love a, the Breeders. The Breeders is one of the best live shows I've ever seen in my life. They're so good. They played right down the street from me one night. Yeah, Kelly <laughs> Deal. Right down. Kelly Deal smoked a cig the entire set. I don't know how it's how it fo- possible, physically possible. She literally had a cig lit the whole time just playing. I think probably someone came over and just switched them out. Pat Smear was randomly in the band during that time. It was the coolest. Okay. Number 20. Keanu, when was the last time you cried? I don't know. When did I cry? Um, when did I cry? Um, I don't know. Probably it's some movie, something somewhere, tear falling down the cheek. I don't know. Some movie somewhere. <laughs> be, be honest. It was Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. I was, I was on the floor. <laughs> it, was, it was that last Dogstar rehearsal. When I took my shirt off 
it was when you were told that you had to do another interview and come on another podcast. And you were like, please, I don't want to be in a band anymore. Actually, I changed my mind. It was the last rehearsal when Keanu realized we couldn't write another new song. (laughs) I mean, you guys wrote a lot of really good ones. He likes to write new songs every day. Every day? He wants to write a new song every day. That's why he's always got the bass glued to him. Yeah, well, you guys. Forever churning. The machine is forever churning out. Notes. The mind never stops. Um, all right. We're so almost done, you guys. You've I'm proud of you for hanging in there. Um Oh, this is fun. Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> I try to make it a good time. I try yeah, to make it a little different. Blacking out on stage. What could be I mean, what could be better? Listen, yeah. <laughs> there's a, plenty of interviews to to speak to the guitar center bros out there about your pedals or whatever it is that you chord progressions. <laughs> this is, this is not one of them. <laughs> and I'm so I apologize to the Joe Satriani crew out there, but this is not this is not that podcast. Okay. <laughs> Number 21. Rob, what is your greatest regret? Saying um saying no too much. Oh. Just in general, just like wishing you had said yes more. Yeah, not saying yes enough yeah. to things. Yeah. Just like now or now. You know, I wish I said yes to more experiences, you know, yeah. which, you know, which is okay. Yeah, I mean, sa- some, some people say what saying no is actually a good thing. I, I think it might be when you're older, but when I was younger, I was always trying to compartmentalize things. And, and I just, I think just being more open in to failure and stuff and just being, you know, that's what it is yeah. when, for me. If you say no, it was because I was afraid to maybe put myself out there and yeah. take a chance. So that's it. But I don't really have that. Just, I just remember I just that's saying yes is a good thing. Yeah. I said yes all the time. It got me in a little bit of trouble. But you know what I was like? You want to get in the van and go on tour? I, I do. You want to do meth? I, sure, I'll try it. Like just, uh, just plenty of things that I was like, yes, I will. And then eventually I'd be like, no, you need to say, you need to say no a little bit. That's <laughs> time drugs. To, that's time to say yes. Of course, I know you were not <laughs> kids. He was not recommending you say yes to drugs. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Number twenty-two. This is everybody. Number twenty-two, twenty-three, and twenty-four. Everybody, look alive. Okay. What is the song that you would like to hear just before you die? Oh, Jesus. That's right. You're shuffling off this mortal coil. <laughs> What do you want to hear? And sing flights of angels. Sing me to my rest. Okay. 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 Now I know what to play yeah. right before I put a pillow over his. Um, <laughs> uh, let me think. Um, that's a good question. I like that song Spirit in the Sky by uh, Norman Greenbaum. The spirit in the sky. Way to go. Mm. I don't know. Mm. No. The last song before you die. Yeah. I know it's kind of a tough one, but I feel like people always ask what you want played at your funeral, but like, who cares? That's not about you. You're not there anymore. This is for you, your experience, how you want to leave this world. Have you ever been with someone that has passed with when you were right with them? Yes, but there was no music playing. Holding. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like as music-driven people, like I would definitely probably want music there, I think. Does everyone just say stairway to heaven? Like, is that like a no, it's such that? a wild, it's such a wild variance. The last girl said tub thumping by Chumba Wumba. <laughs> the yeah. irony is that she's getting knocked down, but she's not because she's not back getting up. back up again. She took a whiskey drink, <laughs> she took a vodka drink. Also, Keanu cheated because that was just a quote from Hamlet, but okay. <laughs> I know, but you yeah. were doing you, you came out with this mortal coil, so 
<laughs> right, of course. Also a great band. I don't know if you guys fuck with. This mortal, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nobody has answered the question and just want to point out. <laughs> and you don't. I mean, it's funny. You don't get to leave. <laughs> yeah, we, nobody wants to die. Well, That's the, why we're exactly. Not it makes people really uncomfortable <laughs> because they have to confront their own mortality. Well, I'll tell you, I would. I want to hear Keanu Reeves banging around the bass recorded in this podcast while I die. <laughs> this is a memory, of, as a beautiful memory. <laughs> no, I want to hear Dave Matthews Band. I'm dead serious. I want to hear Dev, Dave Matthews Band lie in our graves. I've already picked my song. Ooh. It's a beautiful sentiment. And there's always, you know, there's, wow, well, yeah. We had not lived well, lived our days well. There's always the Jeff Buckley version of the Leonard Cohen oh, Halloween. Yeah. It's a beautiful. Just gorgeous. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's Jeff, Jeff's awesome version. Answer, but I would go with Space Age Love Song by the Flock of Seagulls. Ooh. Interesting, Brett. You are a wild card, my friend. <laughs> Someone's going to heaven. <laughs> I don't know. Flock of seagulls, babe. That might be. That might send you straight to hell. <laughs> God will be like, right. babe. I had you here, but I cannot co-sign Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> then there's the cure, just like heaven. You know, we're we're covering that song. We're trying to cover it. We played it at the Greek. Oh, amazing! I, do you guys? Did you guys see the cure on this last tour? We did. I did. Yes. My wife and I went. He sounds exactly they three and a half hours. It was the, I cried the, almost the whole time I cried. He sounds exactly the same. It's incredible. He hasn't his voice hasn't changed. It's incredible. They played um plain song off disintegration and I lost I like lost my mind. I, I never thought I'd get to see it live. Sorry, this now is not about me. You cried, Babe, I cry <laughs> every fucking day. Like yesterday I cried. Why did I cry? My Thai food delivery was wrong. Literally uh, cried. It was wrong. That's legit. Though. You know, sometimes you're just really looking forward to it. You had a rough day. You're like, all I need in this world, all I need in this life of sin is pad CU. <laughs> and it comes and it's pad Thai. Pad and you're like, I don't want motherfucking pad Thai with the fucking crushed no, nuts. I want the flat noodle. I want the flat noodle. I want the flat noodle. Okay, let's move on. Rob, no answer here. Okay, we'll we'll allow it. Keanu wants to hear Hamlet. We're all good. Okay. I know. I like the spirit in the sky. Oh, yeah. Spirit the in the sky. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gorgeous. Okay. Number 23. We're almost done, you guys. Number 23. Everyone answers. What do you think about me? You rock. Oh, <laughs> uh, so fun. I can't think of a better way to wake up. Is that you just woke up? It's crazy. It's noon, Brett. I mean, when I started with, with, with the office, I just. It's just warm and sunny. Okay, good. I tried to make it fun. What about you, Rob? What do you think of me? Um, I think that it'd be fun to, um, if we all would meet together and have a beer or something and come see our show and it just you'd seem like a fun person to be a friend. I, think. I love this. <laughs> you guys, did you hear that? It'd be fun for you to come see our show. <laughs> it would be fun yeah. for you to be a fan of my band. <laughs> No, I'm, jo I'm joking. No, I I, you guys, you in the front row. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's legally binding when you say something on a podcast. So I've now been invited to have a beer and hang out at the next Dog Star show. So yes. I will get my lawyers involved. I don't <laughs> if think need. mushrooms would probably get your coat, call Jacoby and Myers and get them on the horn. Okay, great. Can't wait. I won't do mushrooms at your show, Brett. I promise. Yeah, but I can't promise. Good. I can't, I can't make any, no mushrooms. I can't make yeah, any waste promises. mushrooms. <laughs> Mm. All right, last twenty fourth and final question. What do you guys want to plug? <laughs> as as is the reason we all know that you're here. <laughs> World peace. So yeah. We got an album out. <laughs> it's really cool for us, and hopefully people like it. It's called Somewhere Between Power Lines and Palm Trees. Okay, Gorge. Um, is there anything else? 
Peace and love. Oh my God. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let that be the final word of the interview. Um, <laughs> peace and love, man. No, no. Her, her response is that I don't want to. What's so funny about the final yeah, word? Like, oh my God. Peace and love. What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? <laughs> yes, we're here to promote. Circling back to Elvis Costello. Well, aren't you guys? I mean, not to be your like manager, but like, don't you guys have some tour dates coming up? Are there not some shows? <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, we are currently on tour for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh yeah, all through December. <laughs> yeah, we're going out. We're going out, starting at the Troubadour and going across the country again for the third, second time. Come spend New Year's Eve with Dogstar in Napa Valley. We're doing New Year's Eve in Napa Valley. How Beautiful. unbelievably fun would that be? For yes. Yeah. There's no no wine though. There's no wine in there. Bubbly wine. It's called champagne. No whining. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much. This has been a real pleasure and delight chatting with you. And you guys check out the new Dog Star album. Um, the title is very long, somewhere between the power lines and the palm trees, or the palm trees and the power lines. Power lines and palm. Power lines and the palm trees. It's a Silver Lake reference. You guys, you wouldn't understand. And come see them on tour and come back next week for a new episode of 24 Question Party People. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to 24 Question Party People. And thanks to my guests, Brett Domrose, Robert Mailhouse, and Keanu Reeves, aka Dogstar. Dogstar's new album, Somewhere Between the Power Lines and Palm Trees, is available everywhere now. Visit dogstarofficial.com for upcoming tour dates. This episode was produced by Chris Sutton and Jesse Miller Gordon with help from Justin Sales. Our gorgeous theme song was composed by Heather Fortune. Special thanks to Rachel Bisdy, Avery Robinson, Sean Fennessy, Bob Harvilla, and my new Missoni bathrobe, which is also on the gratitude list bid. Come back every Tuesday for a new episode of 24 Question Party People on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. 24 Question Party People.